Good day, and welcome to the Mobile Notary Show. I'll be your host today. My name is Kathy Holliday, and I am the CEO of Mobile Notary 24-7. And thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today for the sixth day of the 30-Day Challenge podcast. What I'll be sharing with you today is the various different ways that you can notarize um, various documents. I'm going to start off with their real estate um, documents. So we have a refinance. When a person refinances their home, those documents you can notarize. Um, those pages run from 70 to probably 180 pages. And the only reason it can be a little bit on the hefty side with the pages is because if you have someone refinancing and their home is in a trust, they're going to have to have the pages, the extra pages, to take the home out of trust and then put the home back into trust when you're doing a refinance. Also, if you have someone, if it's not the husband or if it's the husband and the wife that are veterans, Again, that's going to be extra documents because they are veterans. So remember that when you're completing the signings for um, an escrow or a loan officer for a refinance or a purchase or a sale, you're going to have to print two sets of docs. So one set of docs gets left with the borrower and the other set of docs the borrower signs and then you take those with you, the notary, and you ship them off back to the lender. So um, next is a purchase. So now if someone's actually purchasing a home for cash, the documents is going to be maybe 10 to 15 pages. So you take that times two, and you're looking at printing about 20 to 30 pages. Um, if the purchase of the home is going to be financed, the pages could run up to almost 100, 100 uh, pages. So again, take that times two, and you'll be printing a set of 200 pages. Um, now, if you happen to have a sale, this is probably going to be the smallest, um, as long as it's not cash. So the smallest, the person is actually selling their home, and the home is actually going to be financed. You're looking at probably about 30 to 40 pages, not much at all. Now, re reverse mortgage um this is really good for the elderly. It kind of sets them up where they don't have to pay for the mortgage anymore. Um, some of our elders, maybe sometimes they hit hard times and um, or they may have a health issue. And so they need to pay off some bills or pay for medication. In that case, they go into the lender's office and they say, you know, I'm looking at possibly doing a refinance. Or with, you know, guys with technology today, they can actually do everything on the computer. So they go on the computer and look for a lender that's... Um, can do a, a reverse mortgage for them. And then um, the, the, the great thing about this is when you do a reverse mortgage, the elderly does not have to pay for the mortgage anymore. The only thing they have to pay is the actual taxes. So the way that works is if you have equity built up in your home, the lender actually will um, take out a certain amount and I'm not quite sure. I think it's, 
I think it's maybe if you have equity buildup in your home, you can pull out about 60%. If you pull out about 60% of your funds, they can wire the funds to you, to the, to the elderly uh, person that's doing the reverse mortgage, and then they don't have to pay that back, but they have to live in the home. So as long as they're living in the home, just as soon as they pass away, one or two things is going to happen. They're going to confiscate confiscate that home or the children can pay the lender back or pay the bank back and then they can have possession of the home. Okay? So reverse mortgages are very good for our elderly. So now next we have a quit claim deed. And let me spell that out for you because people seem to think that it's a quick, Q-U-I-C-K, because it happens quickly. But it's not. It's a quit claim deed, and that's Q-U-I-T. And what that means is if someone act, happens to have an accident and um, they're on their deathbed and they have the home only in their name and you don't want it to get caught up in probate, what you do is you have them quick claim deeded over to their son or their daughter, over to someone else, just in case they don't make it through the night and it won't get caught up in probate. So um, that's what a quick claim deed is. You quick you you're you're quickly claiming it over to someone else but it's called a quit claim deed um we also have our warranty deed our warranty deed just says that the house is free and clear of any liens or any foreclosures on the home um next is our deed of trust our deed of trust the acronym for the deed of trust is d o t and um I realized that when I moved here to Arizona that I, I, I just, I, I never saw a DOT before. In Illinois, mostly in the Midwest, they have what they call a mortgage. So the Midwest has mortgage. And I, I won't say the West Coast. I just know for a fact that Arizona has the DOT. And one feature that Arizona has is on the DOT, it lists the person's name. And I always have the, have the borrower double check and make sure that their names are spelled correctly. And then you have their status, which is husband and wife. And then you have, um, in Arizona, you don't have to list community property with rights of survivorship. If they are married, it's automatically considered community property with rights of survivorship. On the Midwest, it has to specifically say tenant in common or community property with rights of survivorship. It has to literally list that. Okay, so that's the difference between um, Midwest and Arizona. Um, next is our power of attorney. I'm actually going to take one podcast and explain to you the difference between a POA, that stands for power of attorney, and an attorney in fact. Because people have the tendency to get those two confused and they get those mixed up. So I'm going to take one, one day of podcasting and explain the difference in detail of what a POA is, how that differs from an attorney in fact. And I'm pretty sure that quite a few of the notaries were not aware that there is 
notarizations that can be done in high schools, in uh, middle schools, and in elementary schools. And they are uh, needed for exchange students that uh, go on a field trip or out of the country and those documents need to be notarized before they leave the country because they're underage. Okay, so that's a that's a um, transcript that needs to be notarized before they can uh, travel out of the country. So I wasn't aware of that myself, but I would recommend that you kind of touch bases with the schools in your community and let them know that you're local and you are available. Um, what makes it great is, um, or what makes me stand out from the rest is I am available 24-7. That's 24 hours a day seven days a week for 365 days a year. And of course, that includes holidays. So that's what makes me stand out, stand out from the rest. Um, you also can notarize any affidavits, any business documents, and when it comes to the hospital, you have advanced directives, and I'll, I'll be going over that in, an, in another podcast into detail what exactly an advanced uh, directive is. And you find a lot in the hospitals that they need notaries because someone will come in not knowing that they have to have the surgery and they don't have a wheel. So you can go to the hospital and notarize a wheel for the patient before he goes under um, for surgery. Okay. And then what I listed in the beginning with the refinance and the purchase and the sale, those are residential. You also can notarize documents for commercial uh, buildings and commercial um, 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 documentations. And then the most that I find is vehicle title notifications, notarizations that are usually, they usually call me every single Sunday. I don't know what it is about vehicle title sales that they are doing all of their sale transactions on Sundays. I don't understand that, but um, the, the, the thing that I want you to be aware of is when you complete a notarization for a vehicle title, you have to make sure that you notarize the section where the seller signs his name and fill in his information. The borrower does not need to be there. It would be great, but he does not need to be there. It just needs to be the seller's signature that's notarized. Now, the reason why I say it's great for the borrower to be there is because if the seller signs the document and I notarize it and he loses that title, someone can, I don't know how, but if someone actually finds the title, that's literally his car. If he, if he puts his name in there, fill out the information, it's his car. Now, good luck with him finding the car and getting the keys, but again, I would not recommend anyone um, sign a title without the borrower being there. Okay, um, the last that I don't care to notarize is jail signings. Um, that's just not something that I want to do. I'm told that it could be a lot of 
a lot of red tape to actually get in the jail and then take care of the notarizations. But I am told that they pay, they pay really good, but I just don't want to go through that red tape. So feel free to look into that if you like, but um, that's just not something for me. Okay, and so the last two things I want to go over with you that I'm pretty sure you're not aware um, of that can be that 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 notaries um, actually take care of is a verification of I-9 forms. And what that is, is if you have a company that is out of state and would like to hire you to work from your home and they've already did a, I don't want to say webinar, but they've already commu uh, communicated with you and they did an interview over the computer. I know a couple of the signing companies that I've signed up with, they literally call you and they interview you over the computer. The camera's looking at you, they can see you, see what you look like, and they literally interview you over the computer. Um, and so if that's the case and the company says, yes, we like Miss Holiday, then what happens is they send a notary to a Starbucks or Panera Bread that's in my city and they send the notary to meet me and all they have to do is just verify that I am who I say I am for the company, for the employer. And once that's done, um, you have to have a laptop or an iPad that has Wi-Fi or you can use the Wi-Fi at Starbucks. And then all you do is verify that they have a valid, and when I say valid, it cannot be expired, a valid driver's license, a valid ID, or a valid passport. They have to have one of those three, and then if when, once they have it, you then key in all the information and upload it to the website. Once you upload to the website, they tell him when is your exact start date. That's a veri verification I-9 form that only notaries can take care of. And the last thing that um, I want to share with you that notaries can take care of as well is a vehicle inspection. Um, now, this is not a big accident. They have to send the adjuster out. But if it's like a fender bender where they just got a scratch or they got a little dent, um, the notary can take care of that. And the way that process works is you go to the... Um, the, the, the customer's or the client's house and then once you go to their house you are taking pictures of the entire vehicle and some of the clients will say well I'm not quite sure why is it that you have to take pictures of the inside when the accident was outside and you just share with them there's a script that they want me to follow and you take the pictures in the order that they're requesting to you uh, question for, requesting for you to take the pictures and you even have to take a picture of the engine so you have to have the the gentleman raise the hood up take a picture of the engine take a picture of the entire inside and then take a picture where the accident happened and um, 
try to keep a tape measure in your vehicle because you will have to measure, set the tape measure there so they can see how wide the accident or the bump or the scratch is. Okay, so that's a vehicle inspection. Once you take all the pictures, you upload them on the website, and then um, that signing per se, or that inspection is complete. And lastly, I wanna quickly share with you, there's, and I, I haven't completed the um, entire process yet, but the last thing that they want for a notary to complete is an inspection of a home. Now, I have not done this yet. Um, I finished my second webinar. There's one more webinar, and then I'll be complete, and then I'll be doing inspections on homes. So as you can see, it can be a bit lucrative. There's a lot of things that a notary can do instead of just notarizations, okay? So I just wanted to share that with you, and um, hopefully you found this very helpful. And... I would like for you to comment if you have any questions and share if you know someone that like to be a mobile notary and you have yourself an awesome, awesome day. Stay focused and stay blessed.